Hello, welcome to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of myself, Joe Bordner, and Jeff Smith's number four fan, Nick Protopapist. Number four? Ugh. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't know. They updated the rankings, I'm sorry. That's you know. Honestly, it's fair, it's fair. Jeff Smith is like goes. such a difficult name to have, to have like celebrity success in any way. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, everyone... I, I think he did it more than you know probably anyone else could besides like a famous movie star or something whose name is jeff smith yeah because the movie star producers would make you change your name (laughs) right that's what they do fair enough they're like is jeff smith how about jeff sexy and then you change your name because they convince (laughs) you his uh his imprint is not his name it's like oh it's cartoon books that's what it is yeah that's true which is kind of equally generic that's true i agree yeah how about smexy i feel like that's a better name jeff smexy yeah that's what you're pitching me i mean if he was like trying to be famous yeah because then that's so ridiculous that people would be like oh it must be his real name they wouldn't even question it Mm -hmm. it's not like sexy or cash or something where it's like is that really his name you know right what what uh (laughs) you know all the (laughs) All the famous people who have the last name Sexy. <laughs> well, sometimes people have names that are like, is that really their name? You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand Johnny Cash. I understand why you would be skeptical. Is that is that really his that name? name? Do you know if that's really his name? Oh, I have no idea, but I I, I would still understand it as a as a name. Let's let's look it up. I'm looking it up Johnny, already. Born Jar R J R Cash. I guess John that's really yeah. I guess that's really his name. Wow. Damn. I don't know. What what else examples? What do you think the R stands for? You know, Robert. I bet almost anything it's Robert. I think it's John Rocking Cash. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Rocking Cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I good. was um. I've been going through like those peanuts compendiums. I've, I've talked to you about this off the show before. Um, and they have like little, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, essays, uh, by people who like peanuts. Um, and there's, uh, this one at the beginning of volume two, uh, where, uh, I forget who it is, but the, the guy writing it goes on and on about how, um, uh, Charles Schultz's childhood nickname was, was Sparky. Um, and Sparky, the na- the nickname came from a cartoon character, uh, and the the guy who's writing the essay was like, "How fortuitous it was that this famous cartoonist was nicknamed after a cartoon character." <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> What's his name? What's the guy's name? Charles. Charles Schultz. Charles Schultz. I just I just remembered a good quote by him, so I think I'll close the show with that instead, or about him. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. Nick, uh, I've got a thing for you on this Yeah, one. let's do it. Okay, so today I'm doing something that I, I don't think we've ever uh, pulled from this sort of medium before. It's a documentary, uh, and it just came out on Apple TV+, Plus, Whoa. which is not a, not a thing that I have, but okay. it's a thing that I got a free trial for. Okay, it makes sense, makes sense. Uh, we were um, watching... Um... What's it called? That 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 one thing that Apple TV Plus has, uh, defending Jacob. We watched that as a family. It was interesting. Um, huh. And then that Tom Hanks movie came out on it, also. Right. Huh. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm talking about today is uh, Boys State, which is a documentary. Um, it is about these um, teenagers in Texas, these teenage boys, uh, and. I guess this is something that a lot of states do, um, where they get a bunch of high schoolers together uh, and they split them up into a boys' state and a girls' state, um, what? and they they have uh, like you have to apply for this, um, and over the course of a week, these kids like have their own like elections and make their own government. What? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So this is this is real. Mm-hmm. And they split the kids into into boys and girls for for by volunteers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yes. Okay. I, the I the the girl state thing is mostly irrelevant. 
to this movie. Uh, wow. They never show up. It's, it's focused on the boys' state. Like the, okay. the the two the two states don't interact. It's just I don't I don't really know why they they split them up that way. I assume it's just like old gender role stuff. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so this is a movie that follows uh, some of those kids as they go through the the trials and tribulations of campaigning and and uh, forming their own government over the course of the this week um and it's really intense it gets so crazy um they're like uh so we focus on like the two basically uh guys who are running for for governor uh one of them is uh steven garza uh who i think we're we're you know inclined to side with uh he's a he's a sweet guy uh very sympathetic um and uh you know what ends up happening is uh you just meet like this succession of of uh of teenage boys who are like just a bunch of characters uh like there's one guy Ben Feinstein Feinstein uh who acts exactly like the the internet political commentator Ben Shapiro okay uh and he even acknowledges this <laughs> at one point <laughs> okay um anyway that's crazy um I think mostly this movie is really interesting because even though it's, you know, about these random teenagers, uh, it is also about how, like, just weirdly our political systems are set up and, like, what, like, candidates are, are forced to do and possibly, like, compromise what they believe uh, because of how elections work and because of how like public opinion works like there's a constant emphasis placed on um how like you know texas is or at least i guess the city they're in is a pretty conservative place so most of the kids are conservative so even if like the people running are more on the left like they often compromise their views or like fake what they believe in order to get elected uh which is just like crazy stuff and i think i think you know the most compelling thing about the movie is it dramatizes like the these this these uh you know probably not in the scale of things significant events in like just a really interesting way uh i think it's a really like well made documentary if that makes sense yeah it sounds really cool i'm i'm a little i'm a little confused though like to what extent are they building up uh, their own system and and are they like competing you make it sound a little like uh you know lord of the flies but what? i think there's definitely like a comparison that like the filmmakers are trying to draw to lord of the flies um mostly like the, there's not actual like governing happening it's like the 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 boys state focuses mainly on like the elections that are happening um like there are like some I think they're like party chairmen who get elected very early on and they like set the rules of like how the election plays out. Uh, but there's not like actual like, oh, we're going to establish like a system of governance and it's going to be like capitalist okay. or whatever. Yeah. Or, like it, it's not that it's um, it's mainly just focusing on, on how people get elected. Yeah. And this is this is a game. This is a, a game or a. What is yeah, this? Yeah, it's 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 a game, Experiment? but it's like, you know. It's a game. Um, it, okay. it's, it's like something that kids do over the course of like one week in the summer. They're like, uh, you know, there are adults who are like uh, supervising it, but like the kids do all the political rigmarole. Um, it's really funny at times because like, you know, teenage boys do wacky things. Uh, so, so there's like this reference to like uh, one of the previous years, uh, uh, uh the, like the, the one party because they split them up into like two parties uh one of the parties like voted to secede from texas huh. um and so there's like a whole movement of kids who want to do that this year wild you know i i think it really focuses and focuses well on um displaying how teenagers like sort of behave in an authentic way like of course it does because like it's a documentary um but i i, I was like whoa that's that is how <laughs> high schoolers behave nice and also how they would behave in a setting where they're forced to do government mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that sounds interesting. Because, like, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of familiar stuff that you might recognize uh, from like uh, just actual student government in high school. Uh, yeah, like yeah. Sort of the way that people campaign is often like, okay, I'm gonna promise to do this, or, or, or you know, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna imitate this style of speaking that I think is how politicians sound. <laughs> that sort of thing. Got it. All right. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds cool. What's it called again? Uh, Boys State. Boys State. I'll remember mm-hmm. it. All right. Um, should I show you what I got? Uh, yes. So you already know, but uh, let's you know, let's go over it a little again. It's I'm doing uh, Love Victor, which is which is <laughs> a just to be clear, a Hulu show that is. A, a, I want to say spinoff, but it's not a spinoff because it doesn't have like I, it's in the same world as uh, Love uh, Simon, the movie that we've we've actually talked about before. Um, right. So in one of our worst episodes, I think. Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah. So Joe, what do you what do you what do you what do you remember about Love Simon? What do you think of it? In the uh, I think that Love Simon is a, you know cool for what it is but ultimately like pretty boring teen cw type movie yes i think Uh, think we we agreed on that um you know i I made the joke uh to you before uh before we start recording that uh a lot of it is like i'm simon and i'm gay this is what gay people are did you know that gay people are just like you (laughs) it is a little bit like that it sounds like kind of the voiceover stuff they do um yeah (laughs) um (laughs) Okay, so just a little more because I was I was looking all this stuff up. Apparently, that's based on a book, and this mm-hmm. this show is not based on a book, but it's in, set in the world of the movie. And also, there's something called the Simon Verse. Are you aware of this? Whoa, <laughs> I was not googling right. now. All right, there's something called the Simon Verse. You you Google and then spew fun facts when you find them. But it, it's it's Simon Verse series by. Becky Alberti. Yeah, uh, there's a Wikipedia page. Anyways, it includes all this Simon stuff because there's like mm-hmm. sequel books plus this show now. But it also has like the Hate You Give is included in it. What? I, no I, way. I, I read know. that book. <laughs> and, <laughs> no and that... way is it in any way connected <laughs> to Love Simon. Oh <laughs> uh, well, apparently it is. Um, and the movie that that book. Are you has, sure? Joe, are you not typing and clicking about Simon verse? Well, so this is giving me so there's book one, which is Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. Where are you? Are you on two. Wikipedia? I'm on Goodreads. Be on Wikipedia. All right. Okay. Simon verse Wiki- Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> Dude, I swear, I swear to you, I was on a page called Simon verse not a day ago. Are you finding it? I'm on. Oh wait, I can't find it now. Wow, this is awful. Joe, permission to saying... permission oh, to... oh, I found it. I found okay, it. Okay, okay. Like a Wikipedia section at the bottom of the books, novels. It includes all the Love Simon books and the Hate You Give. That's yeah. Films Love Simon and the Hate You Give. Okay, what? So I have not what watched the hell? or read the Hate You Give. What's your impression of this uh, this shared universe being shared? <laughs> Uh, I think The Hate You Give is a really good YA novel, but um, I, I had no idea this was a thing. Yeah, I don't understand what connects them <laughs> at all. Like, it's just, this is kind of like, there's just two movies or something that like don't contradict each other. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like what actually connects them in any way? And then I was reading on that page, because I click it if you can. Uh, and it's, mm-hmm. it's something like characters in the book are like first cousins of each other, like what? side characters. Is it possible that like the authors are friends? Dude, I I don't know. Like, they, how like, do you even decide on something like this? You know, that's so crazy. I sit down and be like, "Hey, my book and your book could technically be the same book." <laughs> oh man. Anyway, holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> I saved that one just for you. I, I thought you would like it, but let, let's get into wow. actually talking about this, so we're not here too okay, long. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyways. So I started watching this just as to like have some high school TV to fall asleep to. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how it was for a couple episodes. And basically the pitch of the show is, all right, uh, Victor is moving to Creekwood, which is where Simon lives. And of course, that's where he lives. But um, he's new to the high school. He's heard the, the legendary tale of 
Simon and, and how gay and cool he was or whatever the story in the movie. <laughs> there, there was like a magical kiss, right? Like, I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. sure. Yeah. So, so Victor's heard about that and he's just moved with his, you know, and he's, uh, he's a Hispanic guy. Um, and he's, he's kind of, you know, he's a little, he doesn't have any friends. His sister's really upset that she's has to break up with her boyfriend from Texas. You know, there's some tension in the family. There's also this like mystery of why they had to move. But anyways, Victor's just like, trying to get a fresh start he meets this quirky geek kid named felix it's such a basic setup and and, you know the other thing is that he's like he's gay right that's the that's the story but um so that's kind of the only crossover in the show is that like at the beginning they established it's the same school but there's no characters because i guess simon has graduated i think there's like one teacher that reappears and like there's probably little things that i didn't even notice but you know that that's kind of set up and you're like okay i guess like this is just a show based on you know the idea of the movie but not with the the cast of the movie which sort of makes sense i mean when you were talking about that movie you were like oh it seems like a cw show so you know yeah they basically made it one (laughs) um so the first thing i'll say is that is that this show definitely has more time to handle like more complicated ideas about being gay i guess um and i think it's super interesting especially with the sort of you know race aspect they they put into it and like I think it works much better at being complex and exploring things differently. Like Victor in the show, like isn't really sure he's gay at first. He just mm-hmm. knows like he likes guys. Um, but he starts dating this girl and that's something that goes on for pretty much the whole season. Um, and like at first he's like, okay, this is, you know, this is good. Like I like Mia, which is the girl. Um, but then eventually he realizes that like, he's, he's just gay. Like that's not going to work out. Um, and you know, he's struggling to come out. Like it's, it, it, it's it's what you would expect but it, it's it's way better to see than the stuff in the movie um it's and then there's you know there's a point where he like takes off to to actually meet simon spoilers sorry um okay. like his friends who are now like living it up in the big city um in new york i guess and like that's super cool because it, it, there's just these little nuances about like him being uncomfortable with like people who are openly and like flamboyantly gay, like, and like cross-dressing, like he's uncomfortable with it. And you can just like tell in some of those social interactions, like he's saying the wrong thing. Um, mm-hmm. And there's also a beat where like, he really doesn't want to be gay. Like it's, it's, there's lots of cool stuff on that aspect of it, which is not exactly why I'm watching it, but it makes it more interesting than the basic setup of like the new kid on the block kind of, you know, that thing. Um, and this show does that with a lot of its characters. Like, you get the nerd kid, but he's really into this hot girl, and she keeps rejecting him, but then she actually really likes him, but she's ashamed of him. Like, there's so many, like, fun little character dynamics that, like, you you, you kind of get hooked in. Like, even the parents. Like, the parents have this, like, lingering secret and, like, a complex marriage. It, it's, like, the basic setup, and then, like, everything gets more complicated. And because it's exploring, like, interesting and, like, you know, not usually touched upon ideas, it gets to be super interesting. And the last thing I'll say, oh, the theme song sucks. I, that's, that's not the last thing I'll say, but that's, I just hate (laughs) it so much. It's so bad. Um, When you hear it, you're like, I, I am so ashamed of watching this show. Um, But the last thing I'll say is that the acting is really, really good on all parts. And that the actor, which I have his name ready for Victor is uh, Michael Kimono. Super great, super charming. And most of most of the acting is great. His parents, especially, are awesome um and people all the characters just tend to be lovable um in sort of the more kitschy way like love simon had it but it's it's interesting and they all have flaws um so who am i recommending this to i guess uh you you know you don't really have to have watched the movie or anything it's not like that it's not like well if you love the movie like this is like (laughs) better and like i don't i don't know like I guess if you're looking for some, you know, high school TV to watch, which is what I am doing almost at all times, uh, that's like actually not that bad and grows on you, then like this is it. This is the one. And I'm super excited for season two. I'm so excited without feeling like cheated or, you know, like it's, it's short too. It's like maybe 10, 12 episodes. They're like half an hour, which is the perfect length. Anyways. Oh, nice. I I um, I love half an hour TV. It's, I, I... <laughs> quite, it's quite the right number. It's so much better than 44-minute TV. You're right. 
it is anyways i i don't even understand why yeah <laughs> it's a good show and i like it and uh it's not the best thing ever but it's it's fun and comfortable and that's what i'll say nice cool yeah i'm sort of interested by that uh, especially like sort of your pitch for the character thing just because like whenever i watch a cw show or a cw type show uh uh like love simon let's say yeah. i always feel like the characters sort of feel kind of plasticky and like they've had a lot of the edges rubbed off and it seems like there's like some of that here but like maybe not as much of it no there's some of it to make it like like a happy show and like a nice thing to watch like everything's colorful kind of thing mm-hmm. uh but there's definitely like a lot of uh you know everyone everyone has flaws everyone like it's it's it's, it's nice to watch cool yeah, shall we uh, move on to the main event? We certainly shall. Uh, okay, today, Nick, we are talking about uh, Avatar Last Airbender, The Shadow of Kiyoshi. Woohoo! Uh, Woo! Finally, uh, liberation after a, a year of not talking about this on the podcast. Because oh, the book wasn't out. Because of that, not because of us. <laughs> You want to introduce sort of the previous book and also the plot of this one, right? So everyone's Avatar expert, yeah, Avatar expert. Uh, Everyone, everyone's really hot on Avatar right now because it's on Netflix, and you've probably heard of Korra. But let me tell you, there's so much more, more out there. Um, You know, there's the comics which continue (laughs) the show, which we've talked about a bunch of times. But there's also a book that we talked about last year. That was the first book that ever came out for Avatar. That's like a you know standalone book. Like there's some extra material stuff, but not really. Uh, And it was called the rise of kiyoshi which was like an origin story for avatar kiyoshi which we see in last airbender um and yeah it was a really good book that you know you and i both know that because we read it and we talked about it uh and some of the cool things about it are like detail and world building stuff because it's a book so it has to describe things by name uh you know it has good character stuff going on Kyoshi's an interesting character because she sort of doesn't know she's the avatar until like her teenage years which is kind of odd um, and then it's like revealed. And the other thing about Kyoshi is that she's like a killer. So this, these books are a little darker than you could get on like the kids TV. Um, there's lots of killing and alcohol and sex and well, not really sex. Well, there's little, like a mild amount of Im- sex. implied sex. There's implied sex, <laughs> which I guess, I, you think, could, I, I guess you could argue like... that Ang and Katara have had implied sex. <laughs> <laughs> By having kids, but heavily, more implied. More implied. There's also that thing with Sokka in the tent. That's pretty heavily implied sex, but even more. Yeah, I think think you would, like, give this book to, like, an 11 or 12-year-old as opposed to, like, a 7 or 8-year-old. Yeah, fair. (laughs) That's, like, the level. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so the, the first one was really good, and sort of where we ended off with Kyoshi was she ran away from her former master because she realized he was a bad guy. She teamed up with some criminals. Uh, she accidentally let out a super criminal, like a actually bad criminal, and she had to kill him. And then she was going to kill her old master. But then a mysterious spirit came and, and killed him for her. And the spirit was her old friend that used to think he was the avatar for a long time and then died. Um, <laughs> that was a bad description. But, and his name is Yoon, which is important. Um, right. Yeah. Key then, player in this yeah. book. And then the second book came out. Um, Joe, can you introduce the second book better than I described the first book? Uh, I can try. Um, right, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Got nowhere to be. Uh, so we, we are picking up with Kyoshi. One of the things that happened in the epilogue of the previous book is that Kyoshi has been trying to uh, sort of reach out to the previous avatar, Kurok um who who died prematurely um and as far as we know sort of spent his life being kind of a rascal uh you know everybody sort of says uh oh Kirk, what a what a zany guy um and so the thing that she's having trouble with is that she can't communicate with him is if you've seen avatar last airbender then you know that uh, uh the avatars can typically communicate with their previous lives um and so a lot of this book focuses on her trying to come into contact with Kurik, but more importantly, uh, she is uh, drawn back into the Fire Nation uh, for most of this book. Um, and what happens there is that there are two clans that are kind of at war 
for the throne of the Fire Lord. And so the current Fire Lord uh, is Zoryu. Uh, and he is the son of the previous Fire Lord, but he has a half-brother uh, who belongs to one of the clans that is uh, warring, and Zoryu's from the other one. Um, and so what Zoryu is trying to get Kyoshi to do, uh, she's now reunited with Rangi and Heron. Uh, right, Rangi's her, uh, her girlfriend. Yes. That's important um, too. Yeah, that's also important. <laughs> um, uh, and so their job at first is to stop uh, what they believe uh, to be like the, the evil clan who's trying to usurp the throne. Um, and also they think that this evil clan is working with Yoon, who's back from the dead and possibly possessed by the spirit that we at first thought in the first book killed him. Uh, and so what happens over the course of the book is that there are a bunch of twists and turns. Uh, there's a bunch of cool shit that happens uh, and you should really read it. <laughs> uh, oh, that's you know, come good. back when you have <laughs> pretty, pretty good description, Joe. Um, yeah. I'm going to backtrack a little. So the, the book starts okay, off. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. She, you know, she starts off kicking ass in the earth kingdom. So her, her sort of team from the first book is disbanded. Uh, Rangi is in the Northern Water Tribe healing her mom, who John Drew also poisoned. Not also poisoned. I'm introducing that for the first time. Poisoned. Um, but and she has this new assistant. Was the villain from the first book? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Her assistant is is uh is Jimpa, who's an Airbender, who's like meant to be her like secretary um, Mm -hmm. and help her out. But that's like her only friend right now. She's kind of alone. Uh, and then she gets this call to Fire Nation. And basically her struggle set up in the beginning is like she kind of, you know, holds herself really responsible and she doesn't know how to always solve problems that aren't like punching things. Like there's this mm-hmm. this idea of like she personally deals with a lot of like the bandits in the Earth Kingdom, but she she's not like made any big public presence or she doesn't accept invitations from like local governors to help out with, you know, stuff. Um, so she's kind of a rogue avatar, you could say. She's kind of a do-it-yourself. So this will be her first like big public appearance in the Fire Nation. Um, yeah, and also a lot of the side characters from the first book are just like completely gone throughout yeah. most of this. Like she has not been keeping in touch with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I think you you explained pretty well about the conflict in the Fire Nation, uh, and I'm going to explain a little bit about what I like about that a lot, uh, which is yeah. that. It's, it's sort of coming off of ideas from Smoke and Shadow, which we talked about on this podcast also, uh, about the, you know, the war, war lords on each fire island, and then the, the eventual unity by the first fire lord. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I, you know, it's not a big thing, but I like the way that it's, you know, this book is drawing from every part of what we have. And, it, you know, it seems like it's written by someone who's a fan of the franchise in general and like is very knowledgeable about it too. Like uh, you'll probably mention it, but you know, later there's, there's a name drop of general old iron. You text me about it, um, which is from the rift. And that's super cool. Cause it's like such a minor moment, but like you can tell that, that the author is paying attention. Um, yeah. there's, there's another thing like the fire nation capital is called uh, Caldera city, the capital city. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's literally from like a dead Nickelodeon website, like a dead, like, <laughs> Which is so cool. Isn't that cool? Like, it's just, it's cool to have all this stuff together. And like, for me as like a big fan, like, it's, it's just so great to see. And we got a lot of that in the first book with like lore. And we just get more of it here. Like, the first book is all about the Earth Kingdom and what they're up to. And this is about the Fire Nation. Um, and how, you know, a lot of the conflict in this book comes from the rivalries of each like faction of the Fire Nation. Um, and I think that's, that makes sense for what we know. And it like, it just fits really well. And I, that's something I like about this book in general. Yeah. And like something that interests me and I, that I like about this book uh, that touches on that is like a lot of Kiyoshi's narrative is still how like she comes into conflict with authority. Um, Cause what I found sort of happening in my brain over the course of the book is like, okay, well, so Kiyoshi is defending uh, the rightful ruler of the fire nations. Like, you know, uh Zoryu is presented as kind of an incompetent guy he's like uh this guy who was crowned very young um and you're you're supposed to be or, or at least i was thinking like what makes this guy 
you know, more rightful than the other guy. Like, I know we don't like the other guy, but it's like, you know, uh, yeah, you're uh, right, and, right. and so, so what comes up over the course of the book is that like, actually, no, like <laughs> these are both like not good dudes. Yeah, definitely. They kind of pull that out later, which is cool. Mm-hmm. It's also like a fun idea, like in the, in the universe where like, like everyone's just dealing with dictators and that's how kind of how it is, you know, like, like until Korra times, there's no like democracy at all, which is sort of a weird thing to deal with. Um, but they, they, yeah, but it's, it, it's interesting because it means that like almost always our characters are positioned on like the outside of power. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually something that like I, Korra just came on Netflix, so I've been watching it a bit and it's something that I sort of like less about that show is that like the characters are often like working with the governments which is like i know supposed to introduce like more complicated political matters into the show which i think is cool at times uh but like other times it doesn't work for me uh, i think it's really cool i think core is really cool so shut up okay okay that's off topic <laughs> <laughs> yeah um no you're right and it, it puts Kyoshi especially in a very difficult position because she kind of still considers herself a, a Dao Fei, which is like a criminal. She took some oaths with her like gang friends. Um, mm-hmm. And she still considers herself someone who will not bow or, you know, will not come under the power of, you know, any, any like ruler, which is cool. And I like watching her sort of justify what she's doing because she's the avatar, but she's also a criminal. So she like doesn't want to like, bow to authority figures but she also like has a responsibility you know what i mean Um, yeah there there's um there's a point later on where i think um jinpa her secretary is implied to be like is it the white lotus yeah yeah so he's implied to be like part of that secret group who show up in last airbender um and kiyoshi's narrative uh narration uh is just about how okay she doesn't actually doubt his loyalties here because she has always had to deal with um, being pulled between many different parts of herself, um, like adding on to the Daofe versus Avatar versus nationality thing. Um, like her parents are also from two different uh, nations. Like her mom was an air nomad and I believe her dad was from the Earth Kingdom. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So like, like she's also like got, you know stuff like that which i think is really cool yeah and you know also like brings back stuff that like you don't really see again until like the avatar comics and Korra, where like yeah it's not as common but like people do like get in relationships between different nations yeah and like that that produces mixing of cultures yeah uh yeah and then that's kind of kiyoshi's thing in the book and you know in a more classic story i guess it would come to like it's sort of her like deciding her own idea of justice like and just Mm -hmm. trying to be confident in that decision which is hard for her and i like that this book kind of takes a step back from the last book where she like saw killing the bad guys as like you know a thing she can do thing she should do even um to protect people and in, in this book, that, that idea is kind of challenged with Yoon because Yoon is, you know, used to be a good friend of her. She's really concerned about him. Uh, so when he comes back into play, he's like basically, I would describe him kind of like a mischief little god. Like he's very trickstery in this book. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I he's not a god, obviously, but like yeah, I, yeah. I get what you're going for. He's a spirit. Uh, he, yeah. is, he has a spirit thing going on. Yeah. Um, um, well, anyways, you know, when he comes back into play, pretty early on in the book actually and it you know ties into the fire nation stuff uh it's immediately this like this idea of like is she willing to you know do the same things that she said were okay for john Johnju or you know the what's his name zu zu ping you know the the bad guy the yellow neck guy um yeah to someone who was her friend you have this idea right after the first fight with him where rangi's like hey you were like pulling your punches like you know and she's like, oh, was I? Like, she she's kind of struggling in this book. Like, can I can I bring that same like wrath to everyone? Like, am I a good enough judge? I guess you could say. Am yeah. I good yeah. enough. Like, can I be justice all on my own? 
Yeah, and I, I really like that. It's one of my favorite elements of the book. Um, like, I, 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 this book concerns itself a lot with, with violence and, like, especially, like you said, the idea of capital punishment, I guess, um, or just, like, killing. Um, yeah, killing. So one like, of the things I... I think, like, like you know, excessive violence. I, I kind yeah, of I yeah. kind of think of it like the opposite of Aang. Like Aang is sometimes violent, but for the most part, he's not going to kill and he's not going to be violent if he doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of and the like op- one of the yeah. one of the things I was going to touch upon actually is like that mirrors the finale to Last Airbender really well, where like the whole conflict is like, what can Aang do that isn't killing the Fire Lord? Like what what peaceful resolution can he draw from this where like nobody dies? Yeah. Um. And Kiyoshi's journey is, like, not nearly that simple, uh, which I think is really, or, or not that that is a simple concept. I think it's really cool the way they handle that in Last Airbender. Yeah. Um, but I also think this is really cool. Um, and what eventually ends up happening is that she does kill you. Um, but the other thing she does is, uh, at the same time, she she's using the water like like basically she she freezes i guess all the blood in his body oh yeah 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 um um which is pretty and she uses the water generated from that to to heal rangi cuz something that she's been struggling with uh for for obvious character and thematic reasons throughout the whole book is like learning how to heal people with water bending um and rangi gets like fatally injured in the the big final fight um and so she has to use the avatar state to heal Rangi, which is just like one of the coolest uses of the avatar state in a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, it, I think it works really well that she ended up having to kill you because it, it's, it's kind of a harsh lesson. It's not a lesson lesson that usually comes up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's kind of like you wouldn't do that. Like, I don't know you like in a kid's thing, you wouldn't be like, well, killing is the answer. Um, but that's kind of Kiyoshi's thing when Aang talks to her. So it, it fits. Yeah, really. yeah. I was I was thinking of that line a lot when I was reading the book because, like, okay, they can't make a, a an entirely neat resolution to this because we know that Kiyoshi, when she reaches the end of her life, is like still understanding that killing is like a necessary thing. Sometimes, like, I don't know if I personally believe that, but like, <laughs> you know, that's what she believes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I, I think it fits really well, and I think. You know, Kiyoshi, we know, lived for, like, forever. Uh, and these books kind of focus on her, like, you know, teenage years, which wasn't yeah. my favorite thing ever in general. But I, I feel like the way it ends up with her character, where she's, like, 100% in her sort of thoughts about how to, you know, deal with deal with problems. And I, I feel like the conclusion she reaches at the end of this book is pretty final. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like, that wraps up enough to be her mentality like for for the rest of her life um mm-hmm. so it kind like, of these are her formative years which yeah. i think is really cool yeah so i think that works out really nicely um and I, I liked kiyoshi's arc in this book a lot yeah um and you know other things about this book it, it's a lot like the last one in that it's pretty twisty it's pretty twisty you're not always exactly sure where it's going which is fun that they could keep that up um mm-hmm. it definitely goes to some places that are unexpected even though it's the second book i would say um there's there's a scene where kiyoshi is like using excessive force you know against someone and you're like wow like that's really harsh like it's not even killing it's like it, it kind of ends up being the wrong decision actually she finds out but right you know what i'm talking about where she's kind of holding someone over a ledge and like basically threatening to kill people um to get her way like as quickly as possible um and i thought that was really interesting um yeah so those yeah are, those are good things um something something i really is sort of minor but something i really like about these books is that they kind of force themselves into like like i, I think they come up with very organic reasons for why this had to be a novel and not a show uh like there are a lot of scenes and descriptions of like things you can do with bending that like wouldn't work well visually yeah yeah yeah. um they did that especially in the first book um and like even though the the big final fight of this book is like more visually oriented in terms of action um 
actually i think this book has a you know actually a lot cooler of a final fight yeah final I, I agree yeah than the previous book um but uh regardless like there's just a lot of cool stuff where like i think that it works really well with the written word even though like i i don't think the prose is like particularly astonishing um like there are some like sort of cliche cliche metaphors used sometimes but whatever um, yeah but you it, know is the it's very serviceable and there's like not really any problems i have with it yeah i agree and i also actually i really like some of the thoughts we get on like what what characters are well kiyoshi's thinking i think yeah. those are fun and unique in the franchise um yeah yeah sorry i, I don't mean to make it sound like there it's badly written i think it's written quite well yeah it's just like um, ya it's kind of just like written you know yeah yeah no, um, i think we agree on that yeah and i i think you know what a fce who's the the author of this i think something he gets especially right is just the the character details um as we've talked about like i, I think he has such a good insight into these people in the world um and i really hope that they can get him to like come back for any future novels they might want to do yeah for sure i i really enjoy this um yeah there's, there's some other you know things that we haven't talked about at all that are super cool just for the world and work into the plot nicely um, yeah sure like there's a festival in the fire nation going on you get a lot of details on the fire nation in this about avatar zeta yeah which is the fire avatar before Kura. is that how that works no yang chen before yeah. yang chen uh, and we get like the first like name drop of him and like pretty pretty standard pretty good explanation of his whole life where he's like a bureaucrat that was kind of a little thing but i liked it a lot um you know just a lot of explanation on like different fire nation clans and like are they clans yeah island i don't know yeah um and how they work and how like i like the idea that like at least in this point in time like everyone from the fire nation we know is from one like rangi and her mother are from an mm -hmm. island that is super small and like they don't have any like exports so they just have to be really good at everything like what a fun idea oh yeah that was really cool yeah um <laughs> and just like different like customs like the way you're supposed to talk to each other like the little offenses in court like you know the the family the shakespearean kind of you know murdering each other kind of thing they're not but you know um I, I really, really like that stuff. Uh, and then we also get a big part of this book is uh, the Kurok stuff that we forgot to talk about. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> where Kiyoshi has to like get over her bias on Kurok to get some information about the spirit that killed Yun and like is possibly possessing him. Uh, and she has to like overcome that block. And we, we basically get an entire backstory on Kurok, which we know from, you know, the other shows. Um, and he's, you know, like you said, he's portrayed as like a, I think he describes himself as a go with the flow kind of avatar in last airbender, which is pretty funny. Yeah. But this time we get like a whole story. Like you, you feel for him, you get that, like he's been, he's been up to it. He wasn't just totally lazy. Like there's this whole thing about him fighting dark spirits and how that comes, you know, plays into the plot of what's going on now with father Glowworm, which is the spirit and Yun. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I really enjoyed that as a fan. I think it was really well written, uh, really mm -hmm. good stuff. Like, we, I like the amount of information we got, and I like how it, it worked into the story. Right. Yeah. Uh, what's something I like about that? Yeah. Uh, another thing I, I like. I, I think it 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 makes his life a whole lot more interesting, and in many ways, a like just obviously a lot darker. Yeah. Than you might expect. Yeah. Um really cool stuff they do with his character i think um like essentially he takes it upon himself to fight spirits that are causing incursions into the human world um because father glowworm this this big spirit is uh sort of creating cracks in reality that would allow them to get through um and and Kurik obviously doesn't want them to to like you know kill people um or harm them uh so what he does is he like ends up hunting spirits but every time he does this like he loses a bit more of himself uh and uh you know so what that means is that we just get like towards the end of his life even though like he's very happy-go-lucky at first like he loses just more and more of himself 
to like this this mission yeah which we always knew he died young so it it fits really well um and i I like the way this book kind of kiyoshi's view on kurik is sort of the audience's view on kurik uh where it's like ah he was lazy and you know blah 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 like you know that's kind of our impression and we learn with her i think that's really cool especially you know given how long it's been since we have known about kurik Um, yeah there's um there's a really good line when um when Kyoshi finds out about Kurok hunting spirits before he's like properly explained this like the situation to her, uh, she says, um, "Don't you dare bring her name into this." Talking about Yang Chen, you're not worthy of her legacy. Your name belongs in the gutter with mine. Uh, and I just thought that was like a really good piece of character writing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's super cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we get a little more Yang Chen too later, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess the last thing is sort of Yun. Uh, we get a, we kind of get interludes about Yun and how he ended up changing. Because in the first book, he's kind of like, you know, chipper, kind of ready to be the Avatar, very responsible, good guy. Um, and then when he finds out he's not... And then, and then he dies. And then, yeah, he <laughs> finds out he's not the Avatar and dies. Uh, that kind of ruins it for him. He, he fights Glowworm in the spirit world. And then the, the best part of this book happens. And he, like, beats Glowworm and then and then eats him. Yeah, that was great. Uh, like essentially, essentially, Father Glowworm tries to make a deal with uh, with Yoon. Basically, Glowworm will help Yoon out in exchange for for letting him pass to the human world through Yoon's body. Um, and what Yoon does is he doesn't accept this deal. He keeps like they've been they've been fighting in the spirit world for what is implied to be like a week. Although, like, time is sort of messed up there. Yeah. Um, which is crazy on its own. Um, but <laughs> Yoon, like, decides, no, I'm not going to accept your deal. Um, and he just, like, beats up Father Glowworm even more. And then he eats the spirit. So, like, he's he's gained, <laughs> Some like, like this power without, like, losing anything. Like, And so the cool thing about that is it, like, Kyoshi thinks that Yoon is possessed for like the first half or so of this book uh and so the twist we get is that no this is all him (laughs) yeah which is kind of devastating but yeah like he's just so spiteful and sad about not being the avatar that he's kind of become the worst he's just a villain and I, I I have not gone back to the first book since last year. Yeah. Uh, but I think in this one, they do a really good job of justifying his mindset. Yeah. It, it wasn't my favorite thing in general, just because I think it's a little like, I don't know, forced, I guess, to make him like the villain. Mm-hmm. However, Connor, yeah, there, there are times where he acts sort of just like, oh, I'm the villain. Yeah. <laughs> However, comma, I think it really works uh, when Kiyoshi has to decide that he's beyond help. And has to realize that mm-hmm. he's not being possessed, uh, and so I don't really mind. I think it works. I think it really works well on paper, and I don't know what character you would do with do this with instead of Yoon. Uh, like, uh, but I, I also just like I'm fully willing to accept like any slight. Yeah, they they know, go out of their way to describe things. like why he's doing what he's doing, so you can kind of keep justifying it to yourself kind of you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's it's just so explained like they, they really are telling you why uh, even though it seems and i also think i think his whole revenge narrative really parallels well with kiyoshi's conflict about uh, about killing <laughs> oh i mean yeah I, I mean i think it works really well with kiyoshi's revenge narrative last time uh, mm-hmm. um, last book um and you, yeah. you actually get the impression a lot that like he's kind of like kiyoshi in the first book where he doesn't really know what he's doing and he's just kind of out there to get revenge, but he doesn't have the benefit of being the avatar. He's just totally lost. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, not too much of Rangi going on in this book. I mean, she's there and she's fun, but you know, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, so, so, so the thing is, is that like, you know, Kiyoshi lives for a long time. Uh, right it's oh, not... they're still together at the end of the book i guess that's important um, yeah um i don't think we're supposed to I, I i really like them as a couple but also like i i don't think that um 
they will stay together forever just by virtue of the fact that Kyoshi is like 200 years old. Yeah. By the time she dies. Kyoshi also like has a kid uh, and we know that. So mm-hmm. there's that also like she must be openly by at some point because people know about it later. Um, yeah. I mean, something they mentioned in the core comics is that, you know, Kyoshi was sort of famous for having taken many lovers. Um, yeah. So that's got to happen, I guess. You know, there's still yeah. a lot of, like, mystery about the rest of her life, which is kind of disappointing. Um, but these books are really good anyways. Uh, so that's good. Yeah. I, mean, I, I definitely like... I'm, I'm yeah. okay with it, because I feel like, you know, I, I I would totally be down for another series, but I also feel like kind of her arc is concluded in this yeah. book series. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I don't know what I was going to say. Wow. I really forgot. Um <laughs> Jeez. Why don't you say something? <laughs> uh I think we can be about done on this book. Oh, I like this book better than the the first one. That's what I was going to say. It's a little shorter, but I think it's uh, a little more fast-paced. It gets through things and it, it gets through them you know, if if not more than equally effectively. Like I I kind of think more. Um Yeah. It, it's just very it's very fast and good and it's sort of every chapter has something interesting going on. Uh, or almost every in the last book there's kind of points where we're not at the exciting fight yet we're kind of not training kiyoshi anymore like it's you know this weird in between moments where he has to just fill in the gaps um but yeah i think it's um it's a tighter story than the yeah. first one and this one there's uh, so much going on there's like yeah you know there's the fire nation stuff then there's plus kurok plus like yun and then like it's it just works really really well and there's some this oh this fun new side characters jimpa's fun and uh the new water tribe i forgot her name healer is really fun right. i think it's i think it's ottawa yeah i think you're right anyways yeah. it, it's it's very fun i feel like we've been talking about like not very excitedly um uh, but but it is exciting we promise yeah uh i i think this book is really really good yeah well, um. i'm so happy to have another book in the avatar you know world yeah uh, as usual you know we 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 spoil everything on this podcast uh, but you started if it. you if you happen to have listened to this and not read this book i would heavily recommend that you go out and read it um it's just a really great piece of fiction set in the avatar universe um and i would love for them to keep doing more stuff like this even if we never get another animated show yeah Okay, you want to move on? I would love to. Let's do it. Uh, Today, Nick, uh, as we do every week, uh, we are talking about the Mission Impossible movies. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah. Uh, You and I just finished up a sort of rewatch, sort of watched through of the six Mission Impossible movies. Uh, for the past six weeks or so, we've been watching one movie a week, uh, and we're done. Uh, you know, and I thought we could just use this brief space to sort of share thoughts on this uh, incredible franchise. Yeah, uh, I'd never seen uh, any of them before, so it was just a regular watch for me. Uh, and it, it started, uh, one of our friends and I were watching it, just the two of us, and we watched the first one, and I liked it so much. And uh, I think actually your brother recommended the franchise to me, so... it. it Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I talked about it on the podcast too, on the first one at least. Um, yeah, I think you did. Basically, to put it simply, it's a little ridiculous, um, but it's an it's super <laughs> actiony and super like twisty in ridiculous ways, and just so much fun to watch. Uh, and so then we kept watching them, and then eventually we were watching them sort of in a group, uh, which is where you came in, and I. I mean, I thought that the general vibe of the, the sort of things I like about it uh, stayed throughout the movie. So that was super cool. Like, you know, it's, it feels still twisty. Like they still do like the mask ripoffs. Uh, it's still actiony and surprising and fun ways, almost ridiculous ways, like little ridiculous ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, still fun new characters. Like it, it's, it's just super exciting to watch all of them. And I definitely kind of got the appeal of an action movie while watching these yeah yeah i think something that you can really say for these movies and is in a lot of ways 
Uh, they're kind of like the platonic ideal of what you want a kind of crummy action movie to be. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, there's not all that much character stuff. When it is, it's incredibly over the top and ridiculous in a fun way. Yep. Um, which is why Mission Impossible 6 Fallout is like probably my favorite um, because it plays up that sort of thing a lot. Um, I really like that one too. That's the most recent one, right? Yes. I, I really like um, that one's good, yeah. That one has a lot of great physical stunts. I mean, one of the other impressive things about these movies, obviously, is that Tom Cruise is a ridiculous madman who keeps uh, putting himself in physical danger to film these movies, uh, which is, I think, what makes them so fun, or at least part of what makes them so Definitely fun. Definitely part of it, yeah. Because <laughs> um... you know a lot of these things are actually happening when he's, like, climbing up that building in, in I think, Dubai. Uh, or, like, you know, when he's he didn't really, on did a he helicopter really? or... I think he did. Really? I think he must have. That was like the first big, oh shit, he did this crazy stunt wow. thing. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah, it keeps up. It, you know, it kind of varies movie to movie and different aspects of it vary to, you know, like sometimes the girl aspect is kind of bad, but the action one is better. There's like one female character per movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they try to bring some stuff back and I like that they sort of kept Luther around at one point. Uh, and they they kind of keep a team after the fourth one, which is I think a little better, mm-hmm. a little more fun. Um, yeah, I mean after so number number five, the director is uh, Chris McQuarrie, and he's directing. He also directed number six, and he's also directing the two after those. Uh, okay. So I think this franchise has sort of found its footing, a consistent creative team. Yeah, um, I, I'm just surprised that you know as the stunts get better and the filming gets better and bigger bigger budget like. Obviously, the first movie came out in, like, the 90s or whatever. Um, like, I'm surprised that this franchise has kept what makes it so great intact without sort of losing anything. Um, yeah, and I, I think in a lot of ways it has improved. Like, there are ups and downs, uh, but, like, the, the latest two, the Chris McQuarrie ones, I think are, are, like, some of the best ones. I know you weren't so hot on five. No, I wasn't, but six was really good, and they're definitely better than the other sequels, like two and three. Or even mm-hmm. yeah, definitely definitely a better set of sequels. Um, so that's cool. Um, yeah, I'm excited to watch yeah. the rest of them with you. Uh, yeah, whenever they come out. <laughs> whenever they come out, it's still and whenever movie theaters are back. Much fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. Would you like from a... my understanding? Oh, sorry. No, no, yeah. go ahead. Oh, so from my understanding, they are filming parts of the next one right now. Uh, my brother Ben has told me uh, that essentially, I don't know how true this is, um, but I, I believe him. Uh, essentially, because what Tom Cruise is doing on these movies is so dangerous, uh, they don't have insurance. Uh, so they can essentially just film even during public health crises. Uh, wow, incredible. I, I heard Ben yeah. said he was like filming it alone because no one else wants to. Mm-hmm. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, for some reason he really likes doing this. Um, yeah, I, I kind of wonder if he, Tom Cruise, that is, knows that these movies are kind of ridiculous, or does he not know that? I think he must. I think a lot well, of he's the, a little crazy, though. Remember, he's a Scientologist. Yeah, but um, I think the thing about Tom Cruise is um, he is like one of the major like creative influencers behind these projects. Like he's the guy who who essentially gets these movies made i, I know but um, do you think he thinks they're like actually like like the, the the big dramatic moments do you think that he thinks like does he think that the mission impossible movies are high art yes i think there's an extent to which tom cruise is like playing into a persona that he thinks like people want him to fulfill huh like they want him to be like the kind of crazy guy who does these ridiculous stunts damn it's got, got a little deep. I don't know. Uh, I have not met Tom Cruise. What do you think his parents are like? Uh, well, Tom Cruise is like 50, so maybe not alive. Wow. <laughs> I'm not sure. I just meant how was his childhood while we were talking about <laughs> it. But, well, yeah, that's, I definitely have never thought about Tom Cruise that much. So Yeah, I don't want to psychologize. He's just a sad lost Tom man. Cruise. He's just trying to please us. <laughs> Well, he's doing oh, no. a good job. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> oh, God. So, Nick, you've got a wise quote for us? I do. This one is from Magnum Force. 
Um, well, what? No, please go. A man's got to know his limitations. That's it. That's the quote. Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and Nick Prothopis. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com. You can send us listener mail there or any questions you might have. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Joby underscore draws. You can read my webcomic Aeronaut at jobydraws.com. As always, Nick has nothing to promote uh, except for wisdom. Oh, we'll Joe, be back Joe. next week. Joe, Joe, yeah. Joe. Let me, a quick note. I couldn't find that Peanuts quote in case you keep that damn. in. Um, damn, damn, damn. It's a good one. It, it, paraphrasing, it's something like, you know, Schultz uh, was an artist because he struggled and he struggled because he was an artist. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It would really help us out. Uh, stay safe and see you next time. I don't know. I was trying to say sure, and then I said we sure, and then I, you know, don't don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah.